This, uh, this portion for this week, there's no portion in the entire Torah that is uh, more significant uh, than this, than this uh, passage of, uh, than this passage of Scripture. This is the uh, covenant at Sinai. This is the, uh, the uh, uh, time when Moses receives uh, the uh, uh, Torah at, at Mount Sinai, uh, when Israel receives uh, their calling. And it's found in uh, at chapters uh, 19 and uh, 20 uh, of, uh, of Exodus, right? And so, you know, there at the beginning of the chapter, uh, it says here, uh, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, I will indeed, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Then the rest of chapter 19, as we see the preparation of the people to meet with God, uh, we see how Moses goes up and down the mountain. Uh, a whole bunch of times, uh, and he orally receives the Ten Commandments, which uh, we read in, uh, in chapter uh, 20. And then, of course, we know that he goes up for 40 days and 40 nights, and uh, the finger of God carves out the Ten Commandments on stone, and while God is doing that, while God and Moses are up there, that is when you have the golden calf and Moses then comes down, you have the rest of the story. But in this uh, uh, portion is the calling of Israel. But what is so ironic uh, about this portion, uh, and which is so perfect for, uh, for today, is how the portion actually begins and who it's named after. You would think that uh, this portion would begin in chapter 19, right where we said. But actually, uh, in synagogues around the world today, chapter 18 is where the passage begins. And how ironic, because it begins with a Midianite priest blessing Moses. What are we doing with a Midianite priest blessing Moses uh, recognizing the God of Israel when this is about the calling of Israel. Now, the name of the portion is called Yitro in uh, Hebrew, and uh, we know that in our English as uh, Jethro, Jethro. And so we want to talk a little bit about Jethro uh, here for just uh, a couple of minutes uh, to understand uh, a little bit about him uh, and, uh, his, uh, significant, and his significance uh, to Israel and to, uh, to us uh, here uh, today. First, we read about him uh, first in chapter 2 and 3. I won't turn to all the passages, we don't have time. But in chapter 2 and 3 of Exodus, we first read about him because that is where uh, Moses is found after he runs away from Pharaoh, right? Uh, he's in the land of Midian, and he is uh, tending uh, the sheep of uh, Jethro, this uh, Midianite, uh, this Midianite priest, and we know that he marries uh, the uh, daughter of this uh, Midianite priest. 
And then now in chapter 18, we see that now Jethro comes and evidently the, uh, the wife and children stayed behind when, when Moses went back, to, uh, went back to Egypt and redeemed the people. After all, I guess, you know, he was, he was on a business trip. There was not time uh, to bring the family with him back to Egypt, right? He was busy redeeming the people out of Egypt. Uh, and so they evidently stayed with, uh, with her uh, family, uh, Jethro and, and uh, his family. So now uh, Jethro brings uh, Zipporah and the children uh, to Moses. And at the beginning of chapter 18, we read these words. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done uh, for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses with Zipporah after he had sent her away. And her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom, for he said, I have met a sojourner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, uh, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was camped at the Mount of God. And he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare and went back into the tent. This is a family that uh, all gets along with each other, as we can see. Okay. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of Egypt of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came with the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. That is really an amazing passage. And I, I will say this. Usually, when we talk about Jethro, it has to do only with the second part of chapter 18, with the, uh, you know, with how he showed Moses uh, how to be a good leader and delegate responsibility and so on and so forth. But the first part is really uh, quite uh, dynamic and, and tremendous uh, uh, for us uh, here to see. So the first, what we see in the passage is that Jethro comes to recognize the God of Israel. This Midianite priest comes to embrace the God of Israel. After all, they share this covenant meal together. Uh, it, is, uh, it is quite, uh, uh, quite amazing. Now, there's some things that are kind of interesting uh, about uh, this uh, passage. One is that, you know, if you're familiar with the book of Exodus, and who isn't familiar with the book of Exodus, right? Okay, we know that large portions of it are not in chronological order, okay? Uh, you may need to take an MSI class to understand that. Uh, but uh, there's lots of parts that are not in, in, uh, in chronological order. And this may be part of it. 
it may, it may, it may very well be that, that when Jethro comes to Moses, they're already at Sinai, right? Isn't it interesting? At the beginning of chapter 19, it says, in the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. But Jethro comes to meet Moses. He's already at Sinai. And so there's a good chance that the, uh, that the events of chapter 18 come after the events of chapter 19 and 20. And even when, when uh, Jethro is advising Moses about judging the people, he is, they're really talking about laws that were given to Moses after chapter 19 and 20. And so it's really very interesting uh, that we see this. We also read in another place in the book of Numbers that Jethro is with them and actually is invited to travel in the wilderness to leave Kadesh Barnea, to leave the whole Sinai area with the Israelites, but he doesn't go with them. So we know that this is not just he's there before the events of Mount Sinai. He's there for the whole event and, and for a long period of time. And so it kind of makes sense, actually, uh, that this uh, chronologically would take place uh, after the Jewish people receive the Torah. Okay. Now, why then is it here? Why isn't it this, why isn't this chapter 21 or something? Or so, Well, perhaps it's here for a particular reason. And that's what we call in the canon of Scripture, you know, the whole thing is God-breathed. Not only the words, but the way it's all laid out. So that's for us to understand the text as it's given to us. So chapter 17 is about the Amalekites, right? About the Amalekites. And the Amalekites, we know from the Scriptures... And the Midianites traveled not too far away from each other, okay? Now, chapter 17 is about the bad Amalekites uh, and, uh, and a judgment, you know, you know uh, uh, upon them. Chapter 19 is the calling of Israel. And right in between, we see that there is a particular uh, priest from Midian who shows favor to Israel and embraces the God of Israel. And so we see here that, uh, just like we see in Genesis, this concept of the mutual blessing of Israel and the nations, and the nations and, and Israel. Something interesting about the Midianites here is that evidently quite early in Israel's history, before they get into the land, the Midianites were not a uh, hostile force as they became uh, later on. We know that Midian himself, whom this group of people comes from, is actually the child of Keturah, Abraham's son. That's kind of interesting, uh, isn't it? Uh, and another thing that we learn is that the Midianites were a confederation, or a federation probably, uh, of, uh, of groups, of clans and families. And one of them was called Kenites, Kenites. We read in the book of Judges a couple of places about Jethro. He, ha he goes by the name Hobab there. Uh, Jethro may have been a priestly name where Hobab might have been his actual first name. Uh, nevertheless, what we learn is that Jethro is a Kenite, and Kenites are friendly with the Israelites. We read in a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 15, oh, it might be verse 6 where uh, uh, Saul is called 
to bring judgment on the Amalekites. But he, but, but he tells the Kenites to separate themselves from the Amalekites because they have shown chesed to Israel. They have shown loving kindness to Israel. And so we see more to Jethro here than meets the eye. So what do we learn uh, from this? We see that while Israel is called to be a priestly nation, to be a blessing to the nations, we see that just as Israel is to be a blessing to the nations, we see that someone from the nations is a blessing to Israel. And uh, it is a, it's a very rich, uh, a very rich passage. This covenant meal, you know, that they take here is one of a handful of places in the scripture where we read of significant meals that are eaten all centered around covenant relationship. And it tells us something about Yitro and Moses. Here, Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, the great Moses, right? Uh, has a covenant relationship with Yitro, this priest of Midian who embraces uh, the God of Israel and becomes a blessing to, uh, uh, to Moses in very practical ways. And if you read uh, the Darash uh, for this week, you saw that uh, so often uh, uh, as Messiah followers, our testimony is demonstrated by the blessing of Israel and the nations and the nations of, and Israel. And that's why, like, for example, here at uh, Beth Messiah, the goal isn't for everybody to be Jewish. That actually takes away from the testimony. The testimony is, is that Israel is called to be the remnant of Israel, and, and there are people who are uh, not Jewish, actually lots and lots of people who are not Jewish, uh, that align themselves with Israel in this way of being a blessing to Israel. That is actually a calling, just as Israel's calling is to be a blessing to the nations. And we demonstrate to the community at large, to the Jewish community, the church community, the the Columbus uh, community, uh, that we are an ethnically Jewish congregation for all who come here and that we are one uh, in Messiah. Uh, a blessing to each other. Hence, uh, Bar Avraham. The purpose of a Bar Avraham is to validate uh, a young person who is not Jewish and part of a Messianic Jewish congregation, that you are a blessing and you have a, a particular and unique uh, role to play uh, in this uh, community. Uh, and, uh, and, and so uh, how appropriate this passage is. And isn't it kind of interesting, you know, here at Beth Messiah, you have, uh, as, it's, as we have in the Darash, that, uh, you know, you have a, we have Jewish leaders and we have Gentile leaders, right, here at Beth Messiah. And in particular, we have a, a particular uh, leader who will remain nameless, who is organizationally challenged. I think we all know that, right? Uh, and then we have a particular Gentile leader, uh, who uh, uh, is not organizationally challenged, shall we say, uh, and uh, functions as a blessing uh, to the other, one to the other. And uh, what a testimony uh, that is, and that is true all the way through uh, our uh, congregation. And so, you know, it, it really helps us, I think, to understand a passage in the New Covenant a passage like Ephesians, 
uh, chapter 2, a passage uh, many of us are familiar with. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, we read uh, this, speaking of, uh, pe- of people who uh, are former pagans who embrace the God of Israel. Uh, Gentiles who embrace the God of Israel. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you are at that time separate from Messiah, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope when without God in the world. But now in Messiah Yeshua, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Messiah. For he himself is our peace, who made both into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in edicts or ordinances, that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing uh, peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity, the hostility. Uh, And so we see that paradigm all the way back in the calling, in the Torah portion that is the calling of Israel, we see in the calling of Israel there is this unity of Jew and Gentile, right? In the calling of Israel, in Jethro and Moses. Uh, And what a a tremendous uh, blessing uh, that is. So it's not just that Jethro blesses Moses in showing him how to be organized in his leadership, but that he embraces the God of Israel and they share this uh, covenant of peace together. And that paradigm we see all the way through the scriptures. And when Messiah Yeshua uh, comes, uh, yes, he restores Israel, uh, but he also is a light of revelation to the nations, uh, bringing us uh, together as one. And this is just the beginning, because the goal at the end of the day, at the consummation, is the unity of all who have enmity in, in the world, in Messiah, all who embrace Yeshua when he uh, returns, that the world will be turned upside down, and that we as a messianic community are a little window, Lord willing, into what a restored world looks like.